passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to this week's edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me is my colleague, Peter Flaherty. Millie is with us today. We'll see, uh, we'll see when she gets into the proceedings here. Uh, she, uh, she may have something to say. She may not. We'll just have to wait and see. We have plenty to say. I can promise you that. Another busy week around college baseball. Uh, we got conference play started in the SEC and the Big 12. That was exciting. And, and really, one of the things, Peter, that, that happened over the last week is that one of the biggest things is is there was just kind of a shakeup in the, the top 25 for the first time. We brought five new teams into the rankings, which means five teams left the rankings. We hadn't had a week like that yet this season. It had been a little bit chalky early in the season. And of course, early on, we're also, you know, we don't want to go too crazy with the rankings off of one or two weekends. But, you know, we, we've seen more than a month of college baseball now, so it's time to you know, you, you start understanding more about these teams and you're able to better react to to the results on the field. So we brought five teams in this week. We brought Missouri, Campbell, Iowa, UC Santa Barbara, and Kentucky all into the top 25. Um, Missouri, of course, with a, a big series sweep at, at Tennessee. Campbell and Iowa have been, and UCSB have been really consistent this season. Kentucky coming off of a 15-game winning streak. A lot to be excited about there. And uh, just so there's a bit of a new look at the top 25, not necessarily if you look at the top of the rankings, it's still number one, LSU, number two, Florida, just like it's been for much of the season now. But we've uh, uh, we've got some new blood in there. And and Peter, that that was uh, I made for a bit tougher of a meeting when we when we had to rank these teams. But it it, it does make it a little bit more exciting when you're able to, to bring some new blood into the top 25. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, there was a lot of discussion about who to bring in, where to slot them. But, um, you know, a team like Kentucky has won 15 games in in a row, which is best for, you know, most wins in a row in the country. And really up until last this past weekend against Mississippi State, they had at least I think in the national scope had flown under the radar without kind of a, a big marquee win. They had kind of they had dismantled teams. They'd beaten Southern Illinois by you know, 18 runs and six runs in a weekend, and they'd beaten a, a big 10 opponent in Indiana by 10. But up until this series sweep of Mississippi State, they had flown under the radar. Um, Missouri kind of burst onto the scene with that sweep of Tennessee, and they did so not with rel- – I wouldn't say ease because I don't think sweeping Tennessee is ever easy no matter what the box score looks like. But they they were in control for the entire weekend, and then UC Santa Barbara's on a 10-game winning streak of their own. Campbell's played outstanding baseball. So there are a lot of new faces. It's an exciting look to our top 25. I think it creates for, um, you know, a lot of fun going forward following these games, which I think will also lead to some more shuffling as these polls get, I wouldn't say a bit more reactionary, but I think that there'll be more week to week change, which, which always is a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. As we, as we move more into the season, it becomes less about what we think about teams what we might project for teams, that's what the preseason is. It's just a projection. Uh, and then as as we go deeper and deeper into the season, it becomes less and less about about that and much more about 
okay, but what actually, who, who actually won the game, not maybe who should have won the game or, or who we think is going to win the game. It's just about who the actual on-field results. And that's always uh, an interesting shift as, uh, as we go through it. And I, so let's, let's get to one of those big things you mentioned there, Missouri sweeping Tennessee. That was really as stunning of a result as, as we've had this season. You had Tennessee, the reigning SEC champs, getting swept by a team that finished last in the SEC East uh, the season before. And that's how, that's how they start conference play. And it was a kind of a weird weekend. They had to play a doubleheader on Sunday. There was bad weather. It was cold in Columbia. Uh, none of that is to excuse anything. Uh, it just, it was, everything was a little different, uh, but Missouri really went out and they got to Tennessee's starters in a way that that rotation, which has been the same rotation now for more than a year, basically uh, they, they had never been hit like that before. And Missouri silenced the Tennessee bats pretty well all weekend. And that's not easy to do either. They threw a one hitter. Uh, it was a seven eight game, but they threw a one hitter in the finale. Uh, that's not that's not something that happens often to to the balls or hardly ever. Mizzou up until that weekend, they they came into the weekend with a really nice record. They played well on opening weekend. They they had gone two and one down in Arlington, but it, it was overshadowed by almost everything else that had happened that weekend. Uh, nothing overshadowed what they did this weekend, and I mean that was really the like I said I, that that was for me the loudest result so far this season. Yeah, that was super impressive. They outscored Tennessee, I think it was 23-6 to over the course of three games, and it really wasn't all that close. Um, you know, a couple of the games were pretty close to the first third of the game, but Missouri used, a, it felt like one big inning in each of the three games that they used to kind of propel them to a win. They jumped on Chase Dolander immediately in the first game of that series, and they tagged him for nine hits, six runs. They only struck out four times. I was really impressed with their approach all weekend. And then they coupled that with kind of avoiding getting into a shootout with the Tennessee offense that's more than comfortable doing so. Um, guys like Chandler Murphy and Austin Trozer were great on the mound in their respective starts, as was Zach Franklin, who finished off the sweep. He threw, he kind of, he piggybacked off of Ian Loesch on Sunday's second game of the doubleheader, threw five innings, allowed only one earned, and notched six strikeouts. So I think that. Missouri, obviously, after this weekend, is a team that's that's going to be a, a real force to be reckoned with in the SEC. Um, I think they showed that they can throw really well, and they can also hit. Um, so this this weekend series with South Carolina is is going to be a, a good litmus test for them against another super high powered offense. But like you, I'm I'm really impressed with the Tigers. So I said we have five teams come in this week: Missouri, Campbell, Iowa, UCSB, and Kentucky. Uh, I think it's safe to say that both Peter and I are most excited about what Missouri did this did most recently, what their resume says right now. That's why they're ranked the highest of those teams. They come in at number 18. But Peter, when we look ahead, lo- looking to the future, which one of these teams are you most excited about for the rest of the season? That's a great question. Of the five new teams, I think I'm probably most excited actually about Iowa. Um, I think that to, to go deep and to kind of establish yourself as one of these Cinderella teams in Omaha where people look up and they're like, whoa, you know, how did an Iowa or a Kentucky or Campbell make it to the, to the final eight in Omaha? It's often done on, on, on deep pitching, and that's exactly what Iowa has. They have Brody Brecht, who for my money's worth has the best pure stuff in the country. He might not have the command yet to boot, but I think he's got the best stuff. And then Ty Langenberg, who's actually been, I think, both in his mind and, and what people were expecting has been a little underwhelming to start off the 2023 season. And then you also pair them with Marcus Morgan, who is a huge stuff guy like Brecht, doesn't quite have the triple-digit fastball, but he's got a plus slider, fastball up to 97. Um, and he's he's continuing to work through those growing pains in the command department. But I'm probably most excited about Iowa, and I know it – it could be a little bit of a hot take. They're a cold weather team. They're in the Big Ten, but I think for a team that's, I, I think they're best suited for a deep run. And then they're closely followed in my mind by Kentucky, who I don't want to speak for you, but I think if I were to ask you that question, they'd probably be who you're most excited about. Yeah, I, I think that what you're saying about Iowa, I agree with in many respects. I like 
the way that they're set up for the rest of the season. Uh, I think that they're the best team in the Big Ten. Uh, as we look at it today, I was really excited about Maryland coming into the year, but I, I, I flipped those teams in my mind. Maryland has not gotten off to a good start on the mound. Iowa looks really, really strong on the mound, and I think they have enough enough offense to carry it through. And look, they're one of two teams that's beating LSU to this point. Um, you know, it's them and A&M. And more teams will eventually add wins against LSU. There, there will be more losses that the Tigers take along the way. But Iowa right now, one of just two teams that, that's been able to do that. And they also have a win at Lubbock. And, like, I think it was a big missed opportunity that they didn't win the series at Texas Tech. I'm not saying they should have. I just, like, that was a missed opportunity to really plant your flag. But they do have a, a win in on the road against Texas Tech, and, and that, again, not easy to do. So I like where they are in the long run, but Kentucky right now has won 15 straight. It's the longest winning streak of the year uh, for anyone in the in, in the country. They have been really good on the mound, and you know that's that's one of the things that that has stood out to me the most, and feels like it's repeatable throughout the rest of the season. Uh, they're uh, the, just the way that they've been able to pitch. They're a, a team that right now ranks 10th in the country in ERA. I think that's that's good for fourth in the SEC. And, you know, Kentucky's schedule is not Vanderbilt's schedule, uh, but it's also not been terribly easy. Uh, and they're sitting there at, at, at 19 and two. And I think that in the end, some of these series wins that don't look like they don't stand out now, but they're going to end up being good for them and good RPI series for them. Like they have a series win against or on the road at Elon and Elon uh, is off to a 13 and eight start and looks like they might be able to compete in the colonial, even if they're not going to win the colonial, you know, we'll have to see, but I, I, they don't look like the best team in the colonial, but they look like a team that's, that's going to be solid all season. And Kentucky has a series win against Wright state and Indiana state and, and at Southern Illinois. And, you know, again, none of these are really the marquee one that, that, makes a lot of noise but i think in the end this is going to be a lot of really good wins on the resume and i also love the way kentucky starts sec play like no week is easy in the sec and that's what last weekend showed just ask tennessee but kentucky now that they've swept mississippi state to start the year they go to alabama uh and then they are home against missouri they're at georgia and like as, as first months go in the SEC for a team like Kentucky, I feel like that's about as good as you can ask for. And if they're able to take advantage of that, bank some of these wins early, I, I really like where the Wildcats could be uh, as we reach the midpoint and beyond of this season. Yeah, I think that's a great point you make about the schedule. There's, again, there's no easy weekend. There's no easy night in the SEC, but you can kind of... I don't want to say ease into it because you're looking at a road series of Georgia ranked Missouri team who is looking like a regional team and, and at Bama. But I, I think that it's a great opportunity for them to get polished and really hit their stride if they haven't done so yet. Um, it's certainly looking like they has, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they've peaked by any stretch of the imagination, but then you go into a, a kind of a gauntlet with LSU, A&M, a midweek against Louisville, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Tennessee and Florida to close out the season. So, I mean, now is the time, like you said, these are really valuable series wins, not just in conference play. If they can ever stack up a couple more with Bama and Missouri and Georgia, if they can somehow win two of those three series or three of those three series, they're going to be, they're going to have to play themselves out of a regional come May. But like you said, those, those early season win series, early season series wins against Elon Wright State, who's a quality club in the Horizon League, they kind of snowball and beef up your resume when push comes to shove. So, I think that this Kentucky team is different than in years past. That we we've seen them get off to these hot starts and and fall off, similar to actually Boston College. Um, but I think that this team is much better suited for a sustainable run. Like you said, their pitching has been outstanding. Um, they've got a 2.89 team ERA, 202, 203 strikeouts in 184 innings pitch, and um, I, I, I'm really excited about the Wildcats. And and I I think that uh, I'm looking forward to these upcoming series, but I'm even more excited to see how they stack up. You know, going down to Baton Rouge and seeing how they they play against you know I, I think the class of college baseball. 
Yeah, if they're going to, you know, be more than a middle of the pack kind of bubbly team, they are going to have to eventually beat one of those teams, not necessarily LSU, but one of those better teams on the schedule. So it will be good to get a litmus test against some of those teams as uh, as they move forward. And this weekend at Alabama is no no easy feat. It's I, this this weekend's SEC schedule is is truly fascinating to me, and we're going to get into that a little bit here in a second, but. I don't want to give short shrift to UCSB, a team that I've been kind of like itching to rank <laughs> going all the way back to the preseason. Just uh, they finally now break into the rankings and UCSB just keeps doing the same thing that they do every year. It seems like they're looking like the class of the big West and they like Gutierrez has, you know, slid into the Friday spot and pitched really well for them and, the Gauchos continue to pitch really well. And I guess it would be fair then as, uh, you know, an outsider, if if you're sitting there and asking, okay, so what's different about this year's team versus last year's team or the year before's team? And, you know, they, why they can't, they haven't been able to make it out of a regional these last few years. And, you know, I think that's a fair question to ask. And, you know, that's why I'm not, that's not the team I listed as, as the team I'm most excited about. And then, you know, Campbell has, been incredible offensively to this point and we know that they have some really talented arms it feels like everything hasn't really clicked yet for the camels and yet they're out there winning games and uh you know they've been they've been able to roll roll some nice wins up and and they're probably going to roll right through the big south so until we get into a regional it's going to be a little bit hard to truly evaluate what campbell is but i i do think that they have the potential to really uh make some noise in June if they're able to get the right draw and if they're if they're feeling it coming into the tournament. No doubt. And I think Campbell's a great team, a great example too of a team that they play with a chip on their shoulder for the entirety of their schedule. I think that they feel that they're overlooked, they're underrated, and quite frankly, they just kind of get the, I guess, the short end of the stick when it comes to national attention. And I think that they're a roster full of just kind of baseball rats and grinders. They aren't necessarily, they don't have the necessarily the most prospect you look on offense this year. They obviously lose Zach Neto, who's outstanding. They lost him last year on the offense and then Thomas Harrington on the pitching staff, but their pitching staff, again, they've got the headliner with Cade Kuehler and then they've got great bullpen arms with Ty Cummings, Cam O'Brien, um, Aaron run. So like you said, this is a team that's probably going to roll right through the big South. I, I would not want to face them in a regional. Last year was a, a a bit of a bummer, I think, with them getting sent to the Tennessee regional. Not a bummer in the sense that it was a it made for some really enticing matchups with them and Georgia Tech and and Tennessee all in the same regional. Um, but I think that if they were anywhere else or or had a different matchup, that, that this could have been a team that really that really would have gotten rolling and and could have been a sleeper for Omaha. And I I feel pretty similar about this year's club. Um, they can really swing it. Um, they throw the ball well, and they're going to be hot going in a tournament play. And going back a little bit to UCSB, they're a team built on pitching. Um, they've lost, they really only had one stinker of a game this year of their three losses. They lost 11 nothing to Oregon State, which has kind of just been a one off result to this point. It was also the fourth game of opening weekend. You know, they'd thrown a lot of arms at that point, and I, I'm willing to kind of throw that one aside. Right, exactly. And it, it's essentially a meaningless game. And other than that, they've lost just two one-run ball games. Their pitching has been the calling card um, with guys like Matt Agere, Mike Gutierrez. Freshman Tyler Bremner has looked really good early on. He's got 30 Ks, the three walks, and 18 innings. Um, he's kind of looking like the next stud arm to be produced out of UCSB. Offensively, they, they lag a little bit behind other of those I guess just high powered offenses, but they are hitting 280 as a team. Ivan Brethauer is extremely fun to watch. He's six six outfielder, pulverizes the baseball with big time bat speed. And I'm not going to make the comp that everyone's thinking about with a six six outfielder, so I'll just leave it be. But they're a really exciting team. They don't get any they, they don't get a ton of love because they're out west and 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 people just don't really stay up to watch them. I think the average college baseball fan, I think, might just hit the hay before they play. But um, I, I think come regional play, they're going to have to pitch their way through um, through regional and, and, and into a potential Omaha slot. But 
again, this is a team that I'm really excited about. I know you are, and their pitching puts them in a in a great spot for a, a potential postseason run. They have really just become the most consistent team in the Big West. There are other good teams in that conference, uh, but UCSB just seems like they're operating at a, uh, a different level and has been for uh, a couple of years now. We mentioned the way the SEC schedule started uh, last week, and there wound up being five sweeps on the weekend in the SEC. That is very rare. We, we don't typically see uh, sweeps in, in conference play to, to that level, really at any in any league, uh, but especially not in the SEC. You don't expect five of the seven series to, to be sweeps. So the teams that are starting SEC play 0-3 now are Auburn, Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Tennessee. Uh, this is like the first time Ole Miss and Mississippi State are both 0-3 to start the SEC since I don't have the exact year in front of me, but I know it's been more than 60 years. Uh, just an incredible incredible thing that, that that's happening now um, when those are the last two teams to win national championships. But anyway, of those five teams, Peter, who are you most concerned for now moving forward? In in looking at these five teams, I think I'm least worried about Tennessee. And I, and I think that's relatively an easy answer. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily of the caliber they were last year, which is a very, very high bar to set. Um, but I think this weekend they just ran into a buzzsaw and a hot team that is Missouri. And looking back on that series come Selection Monday, I really don't think will look like that bad of a loss on paper. Um, everyone has off weekends. It's clear they had one. The coach Vitello did kind of a he, he did a factory reset, if you want to call it that, yesterday in their midweek against Western Carolina. He bent, I don't want to say bench and, and get into the nuances of that, but they had a new look starting lineup. They had eight guys who aren't regulars in there, with the only one regular being first base and Blake Burke. So I'm not not too worried about the volunteers. I think their pitching staff is outstanding. The offense is still high powered and they're gonna they're gonna hit their stride. But I'm probably most worried about Mississippi State. Um, this is the second year in a row where last year they obviously don't make a regional last year, they get off to a slow start and everyone's kind of waiting for them to get going. And they just never did. Um, their record is a little bit better than it was at this point last year, but they, in looking at their schedule, they don't really have a marquee win. I think that their best series win is against Arizona state at home. Um, in the yeah, second, that's definitely right. year, which I, it's a good series win. you're, a Pac-12 win is a nice kind of, it's a fine series win, but it's nothing that's going to be, it's nothing that's going to move the needle. And then if you, they're fresh off a sweep against Kentucky, they had a nice midweek result against Arkansas State, which I am not going to put much stock into. And then you, you look at their SEC schedule, they've got Vandy this weekend, South Carolina next weekend, Bama, Ole Miss. They don't really have a, I think the last month of the season give or take is going to determine their fate with those series against Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, and A&M in consecutive weekends. But I, I don't know. I just, there, the pitching has been really, really, um, I, I think inconsistent, uh, to, to start the year. They don't really have, uh, a big Durant. They've two freshmen have been their best starters. I think Lofton on weekdays and then uh, Gerangelo Sahente on weekday on weekends has been great. But other than that, they really, they lack a lot of pitching depth, both in the bullpen outside of Nate dome um, and, and on their, in their rotation. So I'm probably most concerned about the Bulldogs. I just don't think in an sec that's looking like as good as it's ever been, or as good as it's been in recent memory this year, I just don't think that they're going to have the, stamina or firepower on either side of the baseball to to keep pace with these teams and and if you're looking at like a Kentucky or a Missouri um I think that they're a decent ways away from from looking like that type of a club so I think that's completely reasonable to call out Mississippi State as the the team you're most concerned about um, this is now, you know, kind of two years in a row. And even when things have been going well this year, it's been very 
stop and go stutter step kind of, you know, like, okay, yes, they won that series against Arizona state, but that came after they lost 13 to four on Friday night. And everybody was wondering what was wrong with them. And, you know, okay. They have a midweek win against Southern miss, but then they weren't able to build on that. And they went to Frisco and lost to Ohio state and Oklahoma before winning the, the third game against Cal. And uh, so it's just been a lot of up and down, not very consistent. Now, if you want to take the sunnier side of things uh, at Mississippi State, it's that they were up. So they lose on Friday in extra innings and in, in 10 innings at, um, to, to start that series against Kentucky. They were up five to four going into the eighth and couldn't hold it. Yeah, so they're, they're right there to win the game. And I mean, you have to go win it, but they're right there to win the game. Mm. And then game two, they do lose 12 to three, and that looks really bad. It got kind of out of control late, though. They had an early lead in that game. Um, you know, it was early, early, but they're up three to nothing in the fourth before Kentucky scored the next 12 runs. And then the Sunday game, everything went bad. So if you look at it and you say, well, like if you just win on Friday night, things are going to feel a little bit differently, and maybe you had a shot. To if you win on Friday, maybe you have a shot to, you know, come out and, and feel better on Saturday. So I, you can kind of talk yourself into how maybe they'll be able to figure this thing out. And there's still so many transfers there, so much new there that as they move forward, maybe they'll be able to to get into a better spot. But right now, it's uh, it's not really where you want to be. And then of course Tennessee, because Tennessee has all the talent, like. I, I think it's fair. And like, they don't have significant injuries, you know, Ole Miss, we ranked really high coming into the year, but right now without Hunter Elliott, it, it clear, something clearly is missing there. And so until they get Hunter Elliott back, it's hard to feel as good about Ole Miss as you can feel about Tennessee. You just kind of trust the talent. I do want to though, you know, if we, if we just set Mississippi state aside, I would be also pretty concerned about Georgia of the five teams that got swept, four of them went on the road and got swept. Auburn went to Arkansas and got swept. Ole Miss was at Vanderbilt. Mississippi State was at Kentucky. Tennessee was at um, Mizzou. It happened to Georgia at home. South Carolina came into Athens and swept Georgia. And now Georgia was a team that coming into the year, I felt was like kind of a bubble team. And if you look at the projected field of 64 in the preseason, I had them bubble out. But bubble out team, like like if you're a bubbly team, you can't be getting swept at home. South Carolina is really good. South Carolina's playing as hot as anyone is in the country right now, basically. But you can't be getting swept at home. That that just that can't be what happens. And so now Georgia has to turn around and they go to Auburn this week. And that's a tough, tricky weekend. And and both of those teams really need it for different reasons, but like now you have to go on the road, whereas everybody else like, well, at least at least it happened on the road. So that that is my concern about Georgia uh, moving forward is that they you only get five home weekends in the SEC and they took a, a goose egg in the win column on one of them. Yeah. And as you mentioned, this weekend series against Auburn is a little bit like last weekend series out West with Oregon State and Stanford. But I think it's magnified even more because one of these teams is going to be coming out of this weekend at 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 worst oh and six in the sec but the loser of the series at best is going to be one and five in the sec through the first two weekends and it leaves you a, a pretty big hole to climb out of when looking at both auburn and georgia and like you said south carolina is a great team but the outside of um outside of the friday game or i guess the saturday game uh the first game of the saturday doubleheader the it was a pretty non-competitive series um, South Carolina came back and won on that on that first game and Saturday with a Michael Braswell double. But the second game and the third game, they got outscored by a margin of 24 to three. So I think this weekend is pretty close to a must win for the dogs before they again head to Vandy and then Kentucky just really just begin that SEC gauntlet. And outside of Charlie Condon and Connor Tate, um, Parks Harbor has been great. And so is Mason LaPlante and Ben Anderson. But they're still kind of looking for production and then their pitching hasn't been up to snuff so far. So I think both Georgia and Mississippi state, there's cause for concern for, for their own respective reasons. 
Um, but I, I, I might have a little bit of more faith in the dogs, just given their one-two punch on the weekends with Liam Sullivan and Jaden Woods at the front of the rotation. I don't think you can look at a Mississippi State and say that they have the same. And then Matthew Hoskins, the freshman out of the bullpen, has been outstanding with an upper 90s fastball. So I might have a little bit of more faith in the dogs, but they're each in a, in a precarious position to, to begin conference play. No doubt about that. Um, one one last thing on on last week before we uh, before we look ahead to uh, to this week, we talked about the uh, the Big Twelve starting with such a big series between Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, uh, a series that has the potential to really kind of decide the the Big Twelve race potentially. And they, they played it opening weekend, and Texas Tech went out and won the series. the The first two games were split. Texas Tech had to come back and win on Friday night, but they did that. Oklahoma State, even the series on Saturday. And then Texas Tech blew out Oklahoma State on Sunday to win the series for like the 25th straight time. I think it's actually their sixth straight series win against uh, against the Pokes. But they now, it, to me, Peter, it feels like the Big 12 race absolutely is going to go through Lubbock. You know, they've already taken care of Oklahoma State, a team that we feel very strongly about uh, as being a solid team. Uh, a team that came into this weekend looking really good. TCU, which was the preseason favorite, they lost a series at Oklahoma. Not a great start for the the Frogs, which have been very up and down since opening weekend. Uh, you know, West Virginia and Oklahoma both look good, but are not juggernauts. Texas has been playing really well since losing a series at Fullerton, but again, like they, it's it's been a mixed bag to start the season. I mean, I'm not going to crown Texas Tech as the Big 12 champions today on on March 22nd, but I will say that I think if you're if you're trying to win the Big 12 this year, you're going to have to go out and beat Texas Tech, um, and that's uh, that's great news for the Red Raiders. That that that's how how I'm feeling right now. Probably not as great news for the rest of the Big 12 that uh, you know is looking at you know, tech and, and thinking that, well, maybe this year they, they might take a step back. They just lost so many guys. Like, no, there's, there's no step back coming. They, they still look like the best team in the conference. Yeah. I'm with you. Totally. I was going into this weekend or this past weekend with the mentality of whoever was going to win this series is probably the class of the big 12 and it's them and everyone else. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's Texas tech and everyone else. I think Oklahoma state is still right there with them. But like you said, I think no doubt the, the road to the Big 12 championship is going to go through Lubbock. They will have to kind of prove themselves on the road, though. The, they, they go to Oklahoma, and then they go to West Virginia on the second to last weekend of the season. But they're a team, again, they've, they've been outstanding where people can kind of say they lost a lot. Um, but they've had a couple of transfers step up in their wake. Gavin Cash has been unbelievable to start the season. He, he transferred from Texas. He's hitting... 440 with seven doubles, seven home runs. Uh, tre- freshman Gage Harrelson's been great in the outfield in an everyday role, hitting 340, 11 doubles. Um, he's a great runner. He's a guy that I'm excited about going forward as a draft prospect. And then Kevin Bazell, who came from DBU, he's been he's been outstanding. He was a guy that I was he he had piqued my interest last year after his last fall at Dallas Baptist. There were glowing reports on him, and he decided to enter the transfer portal. And he's off to a great start. Also hitting 340, nine doubles, three home runs. He's walking more than twi- twice as he's walking at twice the rate as he's striking out with 20 walks to just nine Ks. And then Mason Molina, the left-hander, has been the headliner on the mound. They've also done so with great pitching out of the bullpen with Brandon Beckel, um, Andrew Devine, and then Brendan Gurton is a good arm talent too. So Again, it's it's a really good club. It's a complete team. And as Oklahoma State proved, going to Lubbock and winning a series is a very, very difficult task for any team in the country. We saw with we saw with Oklahoma State, we saw with Iowa, and they handled a good Iowa team. Um, they were they were incredibly close to sweeping them. They lost a one run ball game in the Sunday finale, but make no mistake about it. That's a, 
that's a regional caliber Iowa team. That's probably a, an Iowa team that's on the bubble to maybe even host, depending on how the big 10 schedule shakes out. Um, so after their little hiccup at the Shriners children's classic, they've played outstanding baseball. And I, and I don't think there's any slowing down the red Raiders. All right. So we're going to, uh, turn our attention to this weekend, another great weekend of college baseball coming up here, but first check this out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search match with indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, we're going to turn our attention to this weekend. Peter, let's uh, let's head out west. We haven't actually talked uh, much west coast, I would say, really the last couple of weeks. But um, let's uh, let's start this out west. These the the two series I'm about to mention are maybe not the highest profile series you'll see on this weekend slate. Like that's that's definitely LSU Arkansas, and we'll get to talking about Miami and Wake Forest here in a bit, but. I don't know. These are kind of nice under the radar series. Um, and it's, it's going to be a big weekend in LA as you've got USC uh, taking on Washington state and UCLA taking on Washington UCLA off to just a sensational start. They're into the top 10. Now they, you know, your mileage might vary, but for me, they're probably the team to beat in the, the pac 12. I'm ready to, elevate them over Stanford. Not everybody will be, I'm sure, but I'll, uh, I'll take the Bruins right now as the PAC 12 favorite. Meanwhile, Washington off to a great start. That's a team that Peter was on in the preseason as, as being an intriguing team to watch. And so far they are living up to that. And then you have USC, which has won its first two PAC 12 series uh, and is looking for three in a row against a plucky Washington state team that did lose a series at Oregon last weekend. Uh, but this is a really intriguing series because one of these teams is going to come out feeling pretty good about themselves and positioning themselves in an intriguing way early on in the PAC 12 standings. The other one is going to be in a little less of an advantageous position. So I, a a lot on the line there with, uh, with, with both of those series. Yeah. There are two that I, I think that they'll fly under the radar, but they do have pretty big implications going forward in the PAC 12. I think starting off with UCLA and Washington, this is going to be a great test for Washington. Like you said, they were a team that I was high on coming in, coming into the season, and this is going to be their first kind of marquee series of the year. Um, they're, I, I think, 14-4, and four, and they, they won a series against Rhode Island. They had a little bit of trouble. They lost the Friday night game, and then they 
Rhode Island was able to score on them a little bit, but they still won that series. They looked really good in their first Pac-12 series against Utah. Um, but up to this point, this is this is going to be a a massive, massive test for the Huskies, and it's far from a make-or-break series for them. They're still going to be, regarding, uh, barring some insane result, they're still going to be a, in the regional conversation. But um, they're, they're going to get – for my money's worth and your money's worth, the best team in the Pac-12 and USC and the, or excuse me, UCLA. Um, but you know, going to the other team in LA, USC, they're very, they're a very, I think, just sneaky team. They're ten and eight and one with that weird tie at Auburn. Um, but their eight losses, if you look at their eight losses, they've they've been in every single game that they've played this year, and if you. And if you look at their box scores and their stats, no one's going to jump out at you. They're hitting 279 as a team. Freshman Austin Overn has been really good. He's a dual sport athlete at USC. He's tooled, he's tooled up eight triples on the year. Um, and their pitching has been, I'd say, pretty modest so far. Um, their rotation has actually – their rotation's ERA is, is north of, I think, six. But they've just done it on timely hitting. They've gotten arms to step up when they've needed to. And a series win against Washington State, um, I, I think, would go a really long way for them. And it's a good momentum builder because if you're looking at USC after this weekend, after if they were to beat Washington State, they head into a, a midweek game against UC Irvine, which would be a quality win for them on the road. And then another winnable series at Utah followed by what I think is a good series for them against San Diego state before they head out to Oregon state. So there's a real opportunity here for USC to, I I don't want to get too drastic, but I I think there's an opportunity here for them to, to work their way and muscle their way into, into a bubble tournament team. If if the dominoes fall their way and they, and they can really hit their stride in the next few weeks. So Again, it's a series that's going to fly under the radar. Washington State's a good club. They, they're they a little bit of a rut. They've lost three of their last four. Their pitching has has, has been inconsistent in that stretch. But, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'd be particularly intrigued with a UCLA series win. They will have officially piqued my interest. By winning that series on the at the start of Pac-12 play against Stanford, USC really kind of flipped the script, made this – a very manageable start to Pac-12 play to the point that, yeah, like they have a chance here to really build some momentum. The middle part of the schedule is tricky. It's at Oregon State, home to UCLA, at Washington, and then, you know, things ease up a little bit because they get a couple of home series again. But if they can stack some wins here early, like this is a team that just has been truly abysmal for, for several years now. In Pac-12 play to the point that when it was announced that uh, USC and UCLA were moving to the Big Ten, I wrote that, you know what, just like literally anything would be good for for USC because trying to like rebuild the program while in the Pac-12 hasn't worked for like 15 years. So maybe maybe going to the Big Ten will like it, it doesn't even matter. Like, like we can talk about what this is going to do to UCLA, what this is going to mean for UCLA. But but for USC, they maybe they just need the easier runway. But right now, they're they're playing really well. They have a chance to to really turn things around. This is a team that hasn't made the tournament or had a winning record in Pac-12 play since 2015. And I, you know they're starting to they're starting to turn me into a little bit of a believer, and that maybe they can do something this year. And another series win this weekend would uh, would really help things along in that regard. So uh, USC, you have my attention. Let's uh, let's flip around to the the East Coast now. Uh, two teams that definitely have our attention. Miami is heading to Winston Salem to take on Wake Forest. First of all. Uh, runs are definitely going to be scored in this series. I expect the ball to be jumping. It's an offensive ballpark to begin with. And uh, Miami and Wake Forest can swing the bats a little bit here. So I, I think that is exciting. If you like offense, if you like home runs, I, I think this this series is for you this weekend. Uh, but I don't want to discredit either of the pitching staffs or, or just the overall. Like I think this could be a really intriguing series all the way around. Miami has... Uh, found a really good form over the last two weeks, beating NC State and Virginia Tech. Uh, Wake Forest on the road is a different animal. Uh, Miami hasn't 
has not fared well on the road to this point, but to this point, most of their road games have come in Gainesville. So, you know, they, they do have experience playing in a, in a tough series on the road and uh, maybe that'll help them this weekend in Winston-Salem. Uh, Wake Forest, meanwhile, is going to face an opponent that has probably more offensive firepower than they have seen yet. Uh, so a good test for their arms, not that we doubt guys like Rhett Louder, but this is going to be a good test for them. Yeah, and following the their midweek loss against Jacksonville and prior to their weekend series with NC State, we had talked about Miami as a team that early on was kind of on the ropes where, you know, if they had dropped that weekend series against NC State, they could have really gone into a tailspin, but they completely turned their season around. They won two of three before another nice win at Florida International and then a really impressive win series sweep this weekend against previously number 15 Virginia Tech. And this is a clash of two of the better teams in the ACC. This will be Wake's biggest test, like you said, by a pretty wide margin. They've they've been on just, it seems like, cruise control to start 2023, and their pitching staff is outstanding. It's going to, with with that staff of Rhett Lauder, Sullivan, and Hartle, um, Miami's offense is going to have their hands full, but it's also a Miami offense that has really hit their stride of late. Yo-Yo Morales is the headliner there, obviously, followed by Zach Levinson, who's been really good. Um, to the tune of a 360 batting average, six doubles, four home runs. CJ Kafis went 12 for 16 this past weekend, and he he kind of dug himself out of a big hole, raising his average over 100 points. And then you look at their supporting cast. Ian Farrow has five home runs. Freshman Blake Sear has been statistically average-wise the the Canes' best hitter. And their their pitching staff has been has come on as of late. Gage Zeal was a guy that we talked about who we were waiting for that really good start from Zeal and for him to kickstart his season. And, and he's done just that turning in two quality starts in a row against good offenses. So like you said, there'll be a lot of scoring in this series. Um, the couch is a, is an, is an absolute airport where the ball just flies, but I'm very curious to see kind of, I guess on a lesser scale than LSU last week with, okay, like how good is LSU like, are they going to go down to AM and 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 continue to dominate? Which we'll talk about that probably later. But Wake has been so dominant to start the season. They're 19 and three. They're a complete ball club. I think that this weekend is going to be a good, I guess, okay, how good are you type of weekend where they face a, a, a good offense in Miami. They're going to face a, multiple pro prospects on the mound with Carson Ligon, Gage Zeal, Alejandro Rosario's numbers are really not that good to 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 be blunt but he has good stuff Andrew Walters in the back end so how is that wake offense who is mashed to start the year how will they manage against Miami and then also on the flip side we've seen Louder and Sullivan and Hartle just carve their way through the 2023 season but how will they do against the lineup that also features four to five pro prospects so this will be a really fun series I think the ball is going to be jumping, like you said, and I, I think that the winner of this is going to establish some big time momentum as they head into the meat of their conference schedule. These teams have both hit forty five home runs, so that's what we're talking about when we're talking about these offenses. Uh, and you know, right now Miami is in first place uh, in the ACC. They're they're sitting at five and one. Wake Forest is at four and two. You know, there's a uh, kind of a bunched middle in the ACC and both of these teams have been able to avoid that so far. And the loser's not going to get dragged down into it unless they get swept. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do think there is already some stratification going on to, to a certain extent. And, and these two teams look like two of the best ones. So, uh, definitely a series to watch. I'm sure there are going to be a lot of scouts in to see this one with, with so much talent and, uh, the ability to see some of these uh, top hitters against top pitchers, particularly, I, I think that makes this uh, a really attractive series. No matter how you slice this, if you're into if you're into to just seeing some great performances, I, I think you're going to see those. If you're into seeing, uh, you know, high end, intense, you know, games with, with something on the line, I, I think we've got a good shot at uh, at seeing that this weekend as well. Uh, in the SEC this weekend, I could make a case that just about any of these series is 
absolutely fascinating. Uh, you know, you have AM and Tennessee. AM went one and two. Tennessee got swept last weekend. Both of those teams are going to be eager to uh, to course correct uh, in Knoxville this weekend. Florida, which uh, you know is going on the road to Ole Miss, two of the better offenses out there, and of course Ole Miss trying to bounce back. We talked a little bit about Kentucky and Alabama, Georgia and Auburn, Mizzou three and zero goes to South Carolina three and zero. Can Mizzou build off of last week? Can South Carolina get to the Mizzou arms? Like now becomes an intriguing question. Uh, and Vanderbilt and Mississippi State, Vanderbilt looking to build on their three and zero start and. Mississippi State really needs a response this weekend or else all of a sudden everything is going to get louder than it already is in Starkville. And also uh, you're going to have dug yourself a pretty big hole. But the series uh, is Arkansas and LSU, always a special series, uh, two great teams in the SEC West. They both come in at 19 and two. LSU has played up to the hype probably to this point. Uh, Arkansas, although I'm sure some people thought they would be 21 and 0, but whatever. Uh, Arkansas has been super hot. Uh, they've uh, really responded to every injury that's been thrown at them, every everything that's been thrown at them. They just keep on chugging, and uh, that's going to be really fun. This really fun one this weekend at Alex Box Stadium. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to have the environment of like a super fight in Las Vegas. It is. It's going to be unbelievable atmosphere-wise. Arkansas is nineteen and two, winners of fourteen in a row. They've they've been outstanding in all facets to start the year on the mound. Um, Hunter Holland's been great. So is Will McIntyre. Hagen Smith, who actually made a couple appearances out of the bullpen this past weekend, was was lights out out of the bullpen. And then, like you said, they've had to deal with injuries with Cody Frank, Brady Tiger's been on the shelf for a little while. Um, and Wiggins to start the year, of course. Yeah, Wiggins, obviously the headliner uh, with Tommy John. Um, but they, everyone has just kind of stepped up and and risen to the occasion. So, and and offensively, they're they're really swinging the bat well. Jace Borfin was a guy that, after his true freshman year at Oklahoma in twenty one, was a lot of people's pick to kind of explode. After ending up at Arkansas last year, he didn't quite do so bounce back this summer. He's been outstanding to start the year, hitting over 400, six doubles and five home runs. Senior Jared Wagner, similarly, 399 home runs. And then another transfer in center fielder, Tavian Josenberger from Kansas, has also been really good, 346, plays great defense, his speed really plays well. And um, again, Kendall Diggs, is a, Kendall Diggs and Stovall are two outstanding sophomores. So this is um, – and then LSU, obviously, I don't really know what more we can <laughs> we can say about LSU. They're really good. They're really complete. They're the best team in college baseball. Um, they just they seem. How, how about great. Dylan Cruz getting on base almost two thirds of the times he goes up to plate? I think it's sixty five, or I think he's he's six fifty six on base percentage right now. I was gonna say it's. I think it's twenty five walks to ten Ks. He's he's got ten doubles and six home runs in in twenty one games, and then. Tommy White has also really – the ironic thing about Tommy White is he kind of started off slow, and he's been absolutely raking since. He's hitting 410 with six home runs. And like we said, of course, their freshmen are hitting well too with Jared Jones hitting at 365 and Kling at 327. Jones actually looks like the most impressive power hitter on the roster um, just from a sheer raw power standpoint. Um, and then the mound, it, it, Paul Skeens, I don't really – I think he's the best starting pitcher in college baseball. He's got 59 strikeouts to four walks and 30 innings. He's got a fantastic mound presence just watching him pitch. Um, he is not scared of anybody. He was talking about how the A&M environment, which I thought in watching that series was was pretty raucous. He came away thinking that it was, I don't want to mince words, He was. Ex I, I think his quote was he was expecting a little bit more, um, which I thought I was like, you know, that was a very hostile environment that he went into and he just dominated fastball up to one one plus slider. Christian little has been great out of the bullpen and then Ty Floyd chase shores. And then Thatcher Hurd has really, really thrown the ball well as of late. So with the home field advantage at the box, I, it's going to be hard not to, it's going to be hard not to give an advantage to LSU in any series this year, 
Um, but I think in a series like this where they've got a red hot Arkansas team, that's a very complete team on both sides of the baseball. Um, they're fresh off a sweep of Auburn and a, and a mercy rule win over SEMO last yesterday, South, Southeast Missouri state in their midweek. I think I've got to give the advantage to the tigers. Like I will until they show me for whatever reason, not to give them the advantage, but this is going to be a really, really fun series to watch. Um, it's about as high quality baseball as you're going to find at the collegiate level, I think. Um, and it sets up, te- it sets up LSU in, they, they then welcome Tennessee to the box before making a trip to South Carolina and their schedule um, eases up, I guess you could say a little bit. I don't even really <laughs> like to say, I don't really like to say that it eases up ever in the sec, but they don't, they don't face, they don't have a weekend where they face Tennessee or Florida after that. So a really fun series. These are two teams who are Omaha contenders, national championship contenders. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. So the thing about Skeens and saying that is that he's not going to face a hostile environment by like whatever it is that he's expecting that the people have told him like, Oh, this is what you get on the road in the sec, unless he like gives the other team more. So if he wants to see, what it's like to like really go on the road and like really face a, a hostile environment. He's going to have to like walk a couple guys. <laughs> like you got to give the opposing fans something to work with, man. Yeah. I was going to say he, I, I think he needed at least one ball five chant to, to yeah. really experience like if you're that. Not gonna do that you're not going to get the experience. So it's just a matter of like, do you want to, do you want to involve the fans? Then you gotta, you gotta get some base runners on. You gotta give them a reason to get something going. If you're, if you're going to go out there, and throw like six or seven scoreless innings every night with 11 K's like now they're not going to be very much into it. Cause they're going to be so far behind on the scoreboard. It's not going to, they're, they're going to have moved on, man. So that, that I, I enjoyed that quote from him, but then I thought about it. I was like, well, Paul, you gotta, you gotta work with these fans. If, if you're looking to, and he's probably not looking to see it, but if you're looking to see it, you gotta work with them a little bit. Arkansas on a 14 game winning streak right now, They've played really, really well. Uh, Peter did a, a great job of, of illustrating why they've been playing so well, I think. One intriguing aspect of this weekend for the Hawks is they have not played a true road game yet. And so, you know, we're talking about fans. We're talking about what the environment in the box is going to be. They haven't done that yet. And it's an older team, but it's also a team with a lot of newness to it. And, you know, playing a road series at LSU is a little bit different than you know, going to Arlington on opening weekend and playing some neutral site games against Texas, TCU, and Oklahoma State. Like, yes, you went away from home, and so you did get that experience, but 10,000 angry fans in Baton Rouge is something else. So I, that's something to watch this weekend. They haven't even played a road midweek game. Like, they have nothing uh, on the road. The, the, these are the first two road games uh, of the season. We'll see how that impacts Arkansas come may you know i don't think it helped them last year when they didn't get to host right now if you look at rpi it it, it looks great for them and if they keep winning if they keep mixing in 14 game winning streaks like this is going to be a complete non-issue but i do find it a little bit interesting that this is their first true road game coming up and it's coming up um at lsu like i i would have you know far be it from me to tell dave van horn how to schedule or run his program or do anything but I would have thought maybe I would have had to mix in a little something before we went to the box for the first time. Yeah. I mean, that is certainly, you can't get thrown into a hotter fire than, than a, uh, than a date with LSU, especially this year's LSU team at the box. So that's a, that's a great point. I didn't even realize they hadn't played a true road game. So that's going to be, that's going to be something. All right. Quickly before we, uh, before we get out of here, the Big Ten has a soft opening to its conference slate this uh, this weekend. Uh, Iowa's not in action in Big Ten play. Maryland's not in action in Big Ten play. Rutgers isn't in action in Big Ten play, although uh, two of those three play intriguing series, Maryland going to UCF and Rutgers is at UConn. Those are the three teams that are probably most likely to be regional teams from the Big Ten that you know we find to be most interesting. But I will say uh, Illinois at Nebraska intrigues me. Uh, Michigan State has played really well uh, to this point this season. Mitch Jeb is playing really well. They open against Purdue. Uh, Michigan State's 10-7. and seven. Um, They look feisty. 
And uh, Ohio State, 11 and 7, at Indiana, 14 and 7. Um, one of those teams, at least, is going to be a thorn in the side of the contenders and trying to make that jump into being a contender all season long. And so, interesting spot here for the Buckeyes uh, and for the Hoosiers. Uh, of course, Isaiah Coupet has been so good for Ohio State, uh, something that IU is going to have to uh, have to deal with. But the the Hoosiers have played a lot better the last couple of weeks since they went home after you know playing on the road at Auburn at Texas and then in the Keith LeClaire Classic at at ECU. Uh, competition has gone down, so I, I'm interested in seeing uh, what we can learn about both the Hoosiers and the Buckeyes this weekend. Yeah, that's a that's an underrated one for sure. Indiana has won nine of ten, with their only loss um, being at Kentucky in a midweek game, and they, I wouldn't necessarily put them in Iowa's, I guess stratosphere. Not strat. I haven't really comped them to Iowa quite yet, but they're a good team. Luke Sinner, six eight sophomore, has been outstanding on the mound. He's been a real revelation for them. They've gotten great. Um, pitching out of their bullpen with Ryan Kraft holding it down, Seth Manaze. And on offense, it's been led by, you know, veteran Philip Glasser, Tyler Cerny, um, Brock Tibbetts, who was a bit of a famous name last year. He's been playing well. So the Hoosiers are for sure an interesting team. Ohio State, like you said, they're they're led by Isaiah Coupe, who's a top three, four-round draft prospect, however you want to slice it. And that's going to be that's a very underrated series, as is in the non-conference ranks. Maryland heading down to UCF. Maryland desperately needs. I think they both something. need that one. Yeah, they they really need that series. So, a lot of sneaky series in the Big Twelve. I guess one other series that I'm excited for is North Carolina State at Boston College. North Carolina State is coming off of a another disappointing weekend in in which they lost two of three UVA, which. I'm not going to get too on the wolf pack for losing to UVA, who I think is one of the best teams in the country. But in that same breath, they've lost their, they've lost five of six heading before that Sunday uh, win. Um, they had a nice win at UNC Wilmington last night in their midweek, but Boston college, I think I don't want to, speak prematurely on them. Um, they lost yesterday against Northeastern. They had a great series win at Florida state at the time of this recording, they're losing seven to three in the fourth inning at home against sacred heart, which would be a brutal loss for the Eagles heading into their weekend series. So they have a lot of quality wins early on. It's going to, it's going to take a lot to ding their resume, but I'm just looking forward losing to seeing home how- games to sacred hearts, not helping your API. I'll tell you that. Yeah, so I, today's result aside, which we'll see how that goes, I'm looking forward to seeing BC play another quality team and really can watching them continue to prove themselves, and um, they've they've done a great job so far. So we'll see how this result holds. But BC NC State's another another one on my radar. Yeah, NC State needs a needs something out of this weekend if they if they drop their first three ACC series. That's uh, that's a sizable hole that you're putting yourself in and uh, just not a, not a great place. Uh, some other intriguing series around the country in the Sun Belt. You've got Texas State at Coastal and Georgia Southern at Southern Miss. You know, teams that are expected to you know, try and be in the mix for the NCAA tournament. So worth keeping an eye on there. I really like Rutgers at UConn. Uh, Rutgers is uh, heated up and UConn, uh, you know, we strongly considered ranking this week as two teams up uh, in the Northeast part of the, the country go at it. That's um, that, that is one worth watching. Uh, I guess a, a big, big weekend ahead for Northeast baseball with uh, you know, the, the series at stores and the series on, uh, uh, on Chestnut Hill. So a couple of intriguing ones uh, in that part of the country, you know, it's just some other good ones here and there, but, you know, really, I, I think we touched on the, the the biggest ones of the weekend. I guess I should also throw out um, DBU going to uh, Charlotte. Uh, both of those teams could use a series win this weekend there in Conference USA action. So we'll have plenty to talk about when we come back next week for another edition of the Baseball America College podcast. We'll have it all covered throughout the weekend. 
over at baseballamerica.com and you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ted Cahill and Peter is at Peter G. Flaherty. There we go. So yeah, check us out uh, on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, hit that follow or subscribe button and rate and review if we can. We really appreciate it. Until next week, for Peter, I'm Teddy. We'll talk to you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.